0: It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast.
1: It's basketball time at the Cube. LeBron, left to the circle, left to the
0: lane. We're gonna go all the way and hammer it home the Everybody, I mean everybody, on their feet. Sends it for three. We wanted different direction. We wanted a different approach. The shoot around.
1: The Cavs are sitting at fifth in the East, but they are struggling, losing three games since the All Star
0: break. Yeah, the team is showing a lot of heart, but unfortunately, Lavert, Rondo, and most importantly, Garland have been sidelined with injuries. They look out of sorts. The Cavaliers
1: are currently 5-5 five five in the past 10 games. They've been putting up some stinkers, but as we said before, injuries have decimated the backcourt. We're sitting at the fifth spot in the East, but are only four and a half games back from first. What do you think we have to do over these next 20 or so games
0: to solidify a top three spot? I think the Cavs have a lot of things they have to do. One of the major things they need to do first is have, hopefully, Darius Garland play more. Garland has a back injury. Back injuries are, they're finicky. We know that LeBron had an issue with his back for a couple playoff series. Backs are kind of like a mystery. They're a part of the body that doctors don't know enough about. My understanding is it's a back strain, and I have had a pulled back or a strained back. I'm not a medical expert, but I know that it can be something that can nag at you for a while, and I'm not a professional athlete. So having him back and playing more consistently, I think, is very important for the Cavs. Even if he isn't back consistently, I think the Cavs, a number one thing they really need to do is figure out their lineups larry is back so now we have the big three lineup and that's been helpful however i think the team still struggles a little bit with that lineup at times when garland is out because of the fact that larry's and we'll get into this more he's shooting okay they don't have the most space on the floor with that big three so i think jb still has to do some tinkering and adjustments to really help the team figure out a night by night basis who to go with. JB has been consistent in going back to that big three lineup. He didn't even have that last year. His lineups were such a, a hot mess last year that nobody blamed him. But that doesn't mean that JB needs to keep hitting that drum if for that particular night, the small forward who is matched up on Lari is being too too dominant, is allowing the other team to get into their offense better. So I think they need to kind of make those adjustments. For sure. Garland, I think that's the best place to start. His back
1: injury is concerning he's had some issues in the past with other injuries. So clearly this is gonna be something they're gonna have to watch out for moving into the rest of his career. And I hope they're looking at diet. I hope they're looking at anything to kind of keep inflammation down because that's gonna be key to helping whatever is going on with his back. If it's skeletal, I know a little bit about that. I've got a degenerative disc in my lower back. So, you know, again, keeping the inflammation down, stretching, how you choose to live your life, outside of of when you play the game is going to make that difference for him. And I'm, I'm certain that there's enough science and wherewithal within the NBA. There are people that are giving him that advice. And speaking of injuries, yes, we got Laurie back, which is terrific. But he's been streaky all year, and I'm very concerned that he's it's going to take some time for him to get back into that consistency that we were seeing before his injury. Yes, he came back and scored. And we're going to talk about this in a minute. As you said, he scored fairly well in the first few games, but he's still showing an inconsistency that is concerning. And then on top of that, you know, we still don't know what we're going to get from Karis Levert. He's a dynamic player in and of himself. And he, he could kind of throw the train off the tracks if he comes in and, doesn't understand how to fit in the way we need him to this year. We have a lot of pieces and parts that we have to figure out how they fit. And that's really going to be the the biggest goal that I think they need to achieve over the next 20 games or so. Going into that, though, something that I've been noticing that they have been sorely lacking with over the last 15 games, maybe 10 games, if they don't get back into that top five defensive form that they were in in the first half of the season, I don't feel as excited or as hopeful for the prospects of us going deep into the playoffs. I still think we're going to make the playoffs, but defense is key to us actually reaching, you know, as close to the finals as we can get. So what do we think we can do or what do you think the team can do to, adjust and start
0: playing more solidly on the defensive side for me you know if i let me actually have a complete thought so you don't have to make five cuts for me the the simple answer is playing lamar stevens more minutes I view him as the other really good defender on this team who is a good good perimeter defender as well as a good paint defender because of his size. He's truly the only player on the team who is a wing defender. Okoro is, he can guard the wing, but he is shorter than Lamar. And I would argue that Lamar can guard one through four and Okoro can probably guard one through three depending on the matchup so i would say playing lamar in more spots the other reason why i would play lamar you and i both saw the hornets game last night lamar is a dog he is the one guy on that team who i would never want to meet in a altercation ever the other guys on that team they they all play extremely hard they're all extremely tough but we have to remember Lamar is 24 25 years old he was not supposed to be here he was a guy that was undrafted he has fought for everything that he has earned all of these guys have I'm not saying that they're not fighters not I'm not trying to diminish any of them but for my money Lamar is the one guy on that team who if another opponent thinks that they are going to punk the Cavs or they're going to physically dominate the Cavs, I don't see that type of attitude when Lamar is on the floor because I think guys do not want to mess with Lamar in any capacity. So I'm not really sure why JB hasn't played him more often. You and I remember the days of 80s and 90s basketball. I'm not saying Lamar needs to be that type of player. But one thing that Larry Bird used to do a lot when the Indiana Pacers were more dominant is he would play the Davis boys. The Davis brothers is, is what they would call them. They were big physical dudes who nobody messed with. The Cavs have big guys, but they're more slight and they're all tough, but they're not as physically imposing as Stevens is. So I would play him in more minutes just to have that option. Last year we saw him man up on Zion Williamson. In the Charlotte game, I would have loved if he manned up on Bridges more instead of Laurie having to be there. Laurie is great, but he's not as physically imposing pound for pound as Lamar. So I think it kind of starts there with that type of mentality.
1: Even just looking at the stat line of what he's done even since February 4th, he's had a couple of games where he's had 16 minutes, 11 minutes, 8 minutes. So They're getting him out there a little bit more, but there are games where he's not played at all. And certainly the matchups make a difference, but one of the things that I appreciate about the way that Bickerstaff has this team operating is that, I've said this before, they're playing more inside-out basketball. They're starting a lot of their offense underneath with these tall tree guys that they have. And they're allowing Allen and Mobley and Markinen, Garland even, to penetrate and get the ball inside and maybe kick it out for three. But when they're really operating at their best, they're maybe taking 25 or 33s a game And then the rest of the shots are coming inside, mostly. Steven's game doesn't really allow for a lot of swinging out to the outside, and he's going to be shooting threes for you. His first season, he averaged 16% from three. This season, he's averaging 28.9, so that's a terrific improvement. And he's actually gone up a full minute in his average minutes a game from 12 to 13, almost 14 minutes a game. So he is seeing more playing time. His Most of his stats have nothing but improved. But if you're going to need him out there to make threes, then you're not going to play him. And I think they've been stuck some of these games into falling in love with the outside shot. And maybe that's influencing Bickerstaff and he can't put Stevens out there because the team is just operating that night more from the perimeter, and he doesn't feel that he can run any plays that will utilize Stevens' skill set. So in, in one hand, I think Stevens is, is kind of getting in his own way. He needs to get that percentage up by 4 or 5%, and then they could rely on him more to come off the bench. But I agree with you. At some point, what do you care more about? And if you put a guy out there defensively to make a stop, Get your offense to change. The one thing that I have been frustrated with Bickerstaff's running of the team this year is the lack of kind of timeouts to crush certain momentum. And I've often thought, well, maybe he's just trying to prove a point and let them learn a lesson and he can't always bail them out of a bad situation. But... I also feel like sometimes he just kind of lets them call the plays or maybe not call the plays, but just kind of run the same sets over and over to see if he can find any vulnerability. And I'd rather see them really completely change what they're doing from quarter to quarter and see if that makes a difference, especially those nights when they're only scoring like 18 points or less than a quarter. It's just been brutal. So yeah, and the quarters where we cannot shoot defense is the only way we're going to win those games. And
0: it, it just hasn't been there. I think everything that you said there was right on, and I don't think either of us envied the position that JB is in. We both think he's doing a great job. I look from how the team has come out this season, and they've said that our identity is we are dogs, we're letting people know, let them know. The NBA is on notice because of our physicality and our defense. Your defense is your bread and butter. I don't think Lamar is getting the chance to show that his defense would will turn into offense because you're right he has improved as a shooter a little bit it's still not NBA elite level but you can tell that guys get annoyed playing against him he is more of a stopper than Mobley in the sense of his physicality in the post love and Laurie essentially I just want opponents to feel the Calves on the floor physically and defensively. And they their opponents are not feeling that right now their opponents believe they can do anything they want offensively on the floor.
1: One final point on Stevens, he's averaging almost 14 minutes a game. If he was averaging starter minutes, I think you could comfortably say that his stats would increase at least, you know, a percentage point, right? So for example, uh, under assists, he's averaging 0.6 assists a game and 0.5 steals a game and 0.2 blocks a game. Even though he's averaging 13.8 minutes, that's some nights he's getting 15, some nights he's getting two. And so all of those numbers I think would be a lot stronger. I think he could easily average three or four assists. I think he could easily get almost a steal a game. And I think he could average close to a block a game as well. With how defensively strong he is underneath. But one, the one stat that sticks out to me is even though he plays these short minutes and he doesn't seem, seem to shoot the ball very well from the outside, she's 47.3% from the field. So when he's out there, he does maximize his opportunities. He takes smart shots and he averages close to five points a game, even though he's really not out there for more than four or five minutes a night. Really. That's really how we often see him. It's these games where maybe he's in there for 15, 20 minutes that
0: then pad out his stats. Lowry Markkinen is back from his high ankle sprain. We never got a chance to really talk about his play and how we feel about him as a player. How do you think his season has gone so far? Well, you know, I love
1: starting with the stats and looking at what he did for the four years he was with the Bulls. He's on pace to play the most games he's had in a season since his rookie season, even though he has missed quite a few games due to injury. He's averaging really across the board. His stats are pretty much right on for his entire career. He averages around 43% shooting from the field, 36% from three. And that's what he's doing this year. He's a little bit low. He's almost uh, close to 35, 34.8% from three this year, 42.5% from from overall. So he was down a little bit in both categories, even though his minutes are up by almost five minutes from last year. But when you look at his sophomore season, he was 18 and nine, 18 points a game, nine rebounds a game was his average. He shot 36% from three. That's the Laurie Markin and I want to see if he was having those stats, then I would say, yeah, he's having a great season. Because there's a part of me when I look at his game, I feel like he underachieves. And the first two games he came back, he was 22 and 23 from the field. And then the next two games, 10 and 12, shooting one of six from three, two of six from three, two of seven from three, he's often throwing some bricks up there. And he also falls in love with, the 15-footers are outside into the perimeter. He, he shoots a little too much on the outside, considering that he's a seven-footer. But like you said, we've got all these tall guys on our team, but most of them are a little bit thin. So until they bulk up and muscle, and maybe some of them won't, they're not necessarily going to bang underneath the way that you want them to. And Laurie, even though they have wanted him to shift underneath more often in the game, I think he's still taking too many outside shots to be as consistent as we're hoping for him to be. I will say I love his game. I've been excited ever since we got him. I think it's really cool that we have a seven-foot guy that plays the small forward position and that it allowed us to move Okoro down into the two, which I think is his more natural spot, like we mentioned last episode. But no, I don't think I can say that he's having a great season yet because of the inconsistency and then the injuries. And some of that's not his fault, but he really needs to now take these next 20 or so games and... Get that consistency back right into the playoffs being close to a 20 and 10 guy a night. And I think that the sky's the limit for this team if he could do it. And I think that he may not average that for his career, even though I think he could. I think that he'll at least have a few seasons where he does. And so this season, I'd at least like to see him get that points up to more around 15. I'd like to see him hit that average more at the three-point line at 36%. And overall, yeah, I think he... He just needs to stay healthy and consistent out there. It will at least be a improvement from the season before where the Bulls decided
0: he wasn't worth what they thought he was worth. I do think we're getting more out of him than I expected. But I also agree with you. It's closer to last year, which was kind of a down year. He was benched at the end of last season on the Bulls and the Bulls were a dumpster fire of a team, unlike this year. So he's kind of what I thought he would be. But I agree with you. His outside shot needs to fall more. I'm okay with him taking seven to even eight, even 10, as long as he's hitting them, because that initial starting lineup really only has him and Garland as your outside shooters. Mobley, we can't ask him to be a 40% three point shooter right now. And Okoro is hit or miss. His jump shot kind of shifts throughout the game even still, unfortunately. But Lari's form is always consistent. He's always able to load up correctly. But because he's not hitting, defenses are also not as scared of him on the outside. And it's making that whole side of the court too compact and it's not allowing Mobley and Allen to have as much freedom as well. So I think if he can just get his numbers up the closer to 40% from three, that alone would help the season and probably guarantee us, I would say, 10 more wins. If he's able to get over 20 points a night, and maybe somebody else off the bench, like Jetty or or Love can get another 20, that would be awesome for the team. Physically, the thing that has been the biggest surprise to me is he still is not like a physically dominant human for his size, but he has buried some players with his dunks. And I really need the team to work on a few sets that allow him to do that. I think for whatever reason, that sets a tone when you see a guy like Laurie, who isn't known for his dominant, I'm going to slam this ball down into the bucket every possession that I get type of player. When he dunks on the opposing center or whoever, I think that really will spark the team just for that, at least that quarter, I would like to see the team run a couple more sets to try to get him free off ball to not always get the outside shot, but a few alley oops or the ability to drive to the basket and just say, just go for the dunk, even if you get fouled. The final seconds.
1: As we mentioned, Lavert and Rondo are still out. Which one do you want back sooner?
0: I kind of want Lavert back. If Garland is playing consistently and he's not going to be out every other game, I want to see Lavert on the floor sooner than Rondo, only because I want to see Lavert playing with Garland. And I want to see Lavert have the ability to take over some quarters or some scoring possessions, because I think the Cavs are really lacking that right now with having a ball dominant player who can get five buckets in a row for you. So that would be my answer is to get Lavert back sooner. Rondo is going to
1: be a big help for this team, whether he's out on the court or not. He's one of those guys that I think is going to be a, a field general off the bench, whether he's in plain clothes or can actually suit up that night. So I'm not as interested in him coming back as yeah, as Lavert. Lavert is that, Special piece that we picked up right before the trade deadline to round out a team that has been sorely missing Colin Sexton the entire season. And especially now that Rubio went down, we needed this piece so that we could kind of keep the momentum and keep the same consistency going of what we had. And we don't know if that's going to work. We still don't know because Levert didn't get a chance to play very much. So that is definitely my answer as well. Levert is the most exciting piece that we still don't know if it works or not. And if we can at least get 15 or so games with him before the playoffs start, I think that might be enough for them to figure out how best to use him moving into the playoffs. Is
0: this season a failure if they don't make the playoffs?
1: I think that for a lot of people that were not paying attention to this season leading into it, they wouldn't feel that way because they had no expectations of this kind of outcome. Last year, I kind of did. I I really felt like if we had stayed healthy, we could have squeezed into that seventh or eighth spot in the East. It's always pretty close down there. (laughs) So this season has been a surprise. We flirted with number one, and I... I think we could have gotten there. Last episode, I said we, we may. Now I don't think we will. I think we're still going to flirt with the top five for the rest of the season. And if we don't do that, if we fall out of the playoffs completely, I think it is a massive disappointment for what this team set out to prove and do. And they, I think, will be really upset over it. And maybe in some ways that would just light the biggest fire under them. And the next year, they'd win 60 games, but well, maybe not 60 games, but 50 games or whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, win, winning, winning a certain amount of games to the point where like, they would just come out and crush on the one hand, it might be a good thing in the weirdest of ways. But no,
0: it, it would be a big disappointment for me if they missed this season. I kind of push on my answer because I agree with you with how the team and the players would react. I think every player on that squad would be extremely frustrated and upset with themselves if they didn't make the playoffs. That being said, for me personally, I would, I have already viewed this season as a as a success. The season is not over. So for them to drop from right now where they are fifth, and as you pointed out earlier, at times they were even second in the East to completely out of the playoffs, that would be extremely shocking for me. At the same time, they are still one of the youngest teams in the NBA. So them hitting some type of physical or mental wall and not making it, I could understand that. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not trying to give, people excuses. So I don't want I don't want them to hear this and be like, Oh, cool. Some fans are totally fine with it. I would say me personally, I've already viewed this season as a success in my mind. That being said, all of the players and the organization, they want to make the playoffs, they've talked about it. So I think ultimately, it would be a big disappointment from that angle for sure. Did LeBron
1: reach his prime in Cleveland?
0: Yes. I think that LeBron was extremely dominant and moved into that upper echelon in Miami. But I would say his prime was in Cleveland because he led a team down 3-1 to beat the best regular season team by record in NBA history. And for me, prime means... When you're at your most cosmic powers at at the upper echelon of transcendent, and that series against the Warriors, people finally were like, "Oh, I guess he and Jordan can be talked about in the same paragraph." Before that moment, they weren't even allowed to be in the same article at times. So, yes, his numbers in this the third season with Miami, where they won their second championship, I think he finally reached the capacity of of completely dictating games but that was only one season and then he went over to cleveland so that's how i view it is he did something that was completely implausible even from my expectations of doing and that's how he reached his prime
1: I think when he went down to Miami, he grew into the man, the full adult male <laughs> that he was going to be. I mean, he bulked up to almost a power forward center-like body. He dominated down there. But really, when he came back to Cleveland and he shed the pounds and he moved back to being more of a straight small forward, he leaned down, but then his athleticism came back, his, his skills polished up a little more. And yeah, he took the Cavs to four straight finals. And as you said, one finals where he should have won the MVP, and he only didn't because we didn't win as a team. They still kind of thought about giving it to him. So that's, I haven't seen the same player since moving to L.A., And I would think LeBron probably would tell you that he hasn't gotten better since going to L.A. He's really needed Anthony Davis to step up and be in his prime so that LeBron could kind of have the twilight of his career work out in the end. Because he's just not in that full form that he used to be. And you and I know we're his age. (laughs) So, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, father time. That was probably the greatest benefit to his return to Cleveland, that we not only got a championship from it, but that we got to see some of the best basketball he had left to play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, got to point it out, he hit the game-winning shot in the All-Star game in Cleveland. Good for him. That was a, you know, it was great. Everybody gave him the shot. And this will always be a town that, in my opinion, should, should champion LeBron, should cheer LeBron. Is Kevin Love's career better than Chris Bosh's? Statistically, they're very even. There's a few stat lines that Bosch beats out and a few that Love beats out, but they're they're pretty comparable. They didn't have similar games by any means. Love has certainly become pretty much just an outside shooter, whereas Bosch was uh, only 33% from the field from out there. Granted, he shot 36% in the last season with the Heat, but so he was always trying to improve. That's a tough question. I don't really know how to answer that. I don't think I can say either way because... They both had to go to another team and take a third role, basically, to a larger duo. And they both won championships in that process. Bosch got one more. I think they're pretty comparable. And I don't think that either one has had a better career of the other. I think that they've had similar careers. And Love, it would help if Love got another championship. But I don't always base the number of rings as, you know, oh, this guy's better. You know, then, okay, Robert Ori is one of the greatest of all time. I would say
0: they're pretty equal. What What about you? I agree. I also agree in the sense of guys that are sneaky good. Like, we've talked about Love this season, we talked to him a, uh, about him a lot last season, it still baffles my mind a little bit that we have a future Hall of Famer that comes off of the bench for us. Like, he's not talked about in that way. Love is a future Hall of Famer. But we don't, they don't say that <laughs> like during the broadcast. They're not like, oh, and future Hall of Hall of Famer, Kevin Love is coming off the bench right now for the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think if Bosh was allowed to play more, it would probably be Bosh just because I think he might have gotten another championship with Miami because they would have had Miami reloaded pretty quickly after LeBron left. They had a a down year or so, but that was mainly because Bosh was out. And I think Bosh actually has played more games than Kevin Love has, even though love has been in the league longer so i think that it it is a push though ultimately they have very comparable careers both dominant when they were the guy you know when bosch was the guy for toronto and when love was the guy for minnesota they both were very dominant they needed extra help to win championships that's that makes complete sense so i agree i would i would say it's a push (sighs)
1: Thank you for listening to the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. Let's go Cavs!